Okay, with Patrick Norman, The Highwayman is the winning screenplay played for the uh, Romance and Relationship Film Festival. Uh, this is a classic romance. It's a uh, drifter uh, meets kind of classy girl <laughs> in the 18th century in Wales. And then they meet and then there's a connection and they fall in love, correct? I don't know whether she's a classy girl. She's she's a, a barmaid. She is the daughter of a um, of an inn in uh, West Wales. And, and here's the funny thing that I want to mention, Matthew. First, I want to say that uh, I wrote this story based on a three-page poem by Alfred Noyce. Yeah, well, I was going to get to that. I was going to allude to that in a bit, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and, and so um, what I did is I took this original story and I added bits and pieces. And uh, from that story kind of came my story from that. Um, that original story was written in 1904. And um, I read it years ago, and it's one of my favorite poems. So I just kind of took the premise of that and added my own aspects of it. But um, Bess was uh, a landlord's daughter who ran an inn, and I set it in West Wales. And um, of course, we know, you know, Alfred was a highwayman, um, but she wasn't well-to-do. She was just, you know, kind of a working-class daughter of yeah. the landlord. So, but I guess it, it, even back then, they like how old would she be? How old is she in, in the in the screenplay? Um, I'd say she's in her late late twenties, early thirties, and the that's, same. That's time. that's old for someone who hasn't been married yet in eighteenth century, right? I think you're right. Yeah, I think you are right. Um, but that's the age that I always envision them as being. So, but uh, I'm just saying, but, uh, and she's working. Usually, women are not working like like they are back then either, right? Well, working in the context, if the way I look at it is if your father owns an inn, you're in the kitchen, you're mopping, you're making food, you're serving, um, which is what she does in the story. Um, uh, I don't, I think in modern times, you know, in, in more modern times and maybe the 19th century, women didn't do that. But it, it, at this particular socioeconomic level, um, she worked for her father at this inn and they made it work. And gotcha. to make it work, she had to do various things. So do you remember when you first read the poem? When I was, when I was 12 or 13, I was getting in lots of trouble and my father would ground me for a week, two weeks, a month. And um, around the second or third week of this particular time, I remember he gave me this poem and he said, if you, if you can learn this poem and recite it to me, I'll let you, you know, I'll, I'll let you out of your pen. And um, so he turned me on to lots of different literature and it may not be the normal way that people, you know, learn the stuff, but I read the poem and I was, I'm thinking probably 1975, 78, right around there. That's an interesting uh, poem for dad to to uh, give his son, like a romance kind of like love poem. Well, he he was a um, he was a writer himself and um, he was a good writer and he loved poetry and he loved, you know, um, he loved good stories and he would leave me books on my bed. And then a week later, um, he would ask me about it and I would say, oh, yeah, I like this part or that part. And so he kind of turned me on to some really great literature and verse. Is your dad still alive right now? 
No, no, he passed many years ago. He was, he was an old man when he had me. Um, he was 41 when he had me. And, um, but no, he's neither of my parents are alive anymore. What would he, what would he think that you wrote a screenplay based on the, the, the poem that he, the punishment poem that he gave you? I think that he would, he had an amazing sense of humor. I mean, he's probably my favorite person in the world. He just, he was a happy guy. He was a jokester. Um, he turned me on to a lot of new things. We would go on adventures together with my brothers. And I had an older sister that was much, much older than me. Um, and um, I think that he would be excited and happy that I, that I did this. And that back then I never would have, if you had said, oh yeah, you're you're going to have a hobby and it's going to be, you know, you're going to be a writer in the future. I would have laughed at you. I would have said, no, I don't, I don't think that that will be me. Well, which leads me, when did you start writing? I started writing in 2011 when um, I happened upon a couple different screenplays and I read them. Um, one of them was Chinatown. The other was To Kill a Mockingbird. And I read them and I thought, wow, this, this isn't, you know, this isn't so hard. Anybody can do this. And, you know, um, it took me years to write my first screenplay, but I got through it and, um, and it was fun. It was, it was kind of like, um, it, it was stress relief for me. Gotcha. Uh, kind of like a therapy in a sense. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Pretty, pretty much like that. Those are two interesting screenplays to read, like one considered one of the great screenplays of all time, Chinatown, and then one great adaptation of a, of a novel that they kind of changed a little bit from, from its tone and structure in Killing yeah. Mockingbird. Those are like two landmark screenplays that you wrote, you first wrote. Right. Yeah, it, it's amazing that I just happened upon those. And <clears throat> I, I'm I'm curious by nature, so I'll read something and be like, wow, that, that was interesting. And you know, why did they do this or do that? And I read screenplays all the time. And, you know, I'm constantly wondering, oh, why didn't they add this? Or I would have done this differently. Or um, so I think of it as fun. And um, over the years, I've built up a group of people that I communicate with. And we talk about, you know, writing and screenplays and storytelling in general. So do you remember the first screenplay you wrote? You completed? Yeah, yeah it... Um, it was it was 2011, and I remember watching in the news and hearing about um, um, racial division, and you know I think we're still going through it now. I was going to say and things haven't changed all that much. I guess things eh? haven't changed. No, it's, it, I would even say that they've gotten worse. Yeah, and well, so I wanted to write a story that brought people together, and so I wrote a screenplay called Tyler Texas, and it's the story about. Um, a, a black man growing up in the deep South and he has to make a trip. And on that trip, he encounters some racists and um, he winds up going to Vietnam and meeting this man and this man becomes his friend and he dies. And before this man dies, he tells, um, he tells the protagonist, he says, will you check on my family? And that's what part of this trip is for is he's going to see these people in Texas and he winds up staying there for a while and they develop a bond. The 
the family and him develop a bond and the people um, in the town develop a bond. Um, and it, it was fun to write. It, it was a long screenplay, uh, you know, 125 pages, I think. But um, I was able to um, to show compassion and as I was I was able to show these different groups of people coming together and coming to the conclusion that hey we're not so different we um, you know we love our kids we want better for ourselves and um, it was it was fun to write so, so then it took so me a what, long time what did you do with the screenplay like what did you decide to do with it oh I've 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 sent it to a million different people and um you know, out of the five screenplays that I've taken a fade out, that one never won an award. And if you asked me what screenplay am, am I most proud of, it would be that one. And, um, you know, I think that if someone were to read it and, you know, someone like a Spielberg were to read it, they would come to the conclusion that, hey, this this is a story that can really bring people together, you know, Um and they would make it, but my mentor in Los Angeles in Burbank, she's like 90 years old. She said that people aren't buying stuff like that anymore. They're buying yeah. action adventure. They're buying. She told me, she said, stop writing that kind of thing and find your niche. And so what I've done is I had these stories that were written with male protagonists and I've changed them all over to female and that's what Hollywood is buying right now. They're buying that type of thing with, with strong female protagonists. And um, I should note, I, I normally don't write romance. I just started writing that particular um, story, The Highwayman, and it just kind of steamrolled. And um, I left it in a drawer for five years. I started writing it in the middle of 2017. I had an experience and um, um, in any event, I started writing that. <clears throat> and then a friend of mine said, hey, you ought to pick the highwayman up again and finish that. You're, you know, you're 10, 15 pages away. And so I did. You, do you want to add on to your experience? It seemed like there was something, there's something that that occurred. Or you don't have to if you don't want to. I was just curious. The way you described it, it was like you... There was no, a pause, there was, there was, was something that, effect. yeah, there was something that happened that, um, um, you know, that brought out all the feelings that you have when you read or watch, you know, a movie like The Highwayman, and it was easy to write. It was very, you know, everything came to me, so I wrote like ninety percent of it. It was it was done by the. Um, probably the first month of 2018. Um, but there were just, I mean, you're never really done writing a screenplay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you write yourself, but you're always rewriting. I mean, I think William Goldman said, you know, writing is rewriting. And, and I think that's true. Um, so even now I'm last night, I, I even wrote, um, an additional scene that I added to it that I just haven't added to film freeway yet. But um, in any event, it, it was an experience that um, made it easy for me to write the highwayman and I did. And so um, that's it. 
Yeah, and so and so, what's the 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 way you describe it is like in the way uh, the summary is is there's two people they meet they fall in love everything's great, but obviously as you know there's there's conflict and there's situations involved to kind of like to to uh, to arise that these people don't get together. Yeah, I guess that's what the that's what the the, the core of your screenplay is i guess right the the, the conflict yeah. between these two of because the audience immediately wants them to to merge right to to right. be we all love love stories well i would put it to you this way i would say you know we've all seen those stories or heard those stories where everything works out perfectly but you know if you read sid field or you read william goldman you know they tell you that you've got to throw obstacles in and there's got to be action and there's got to be, you go for this thing and somebody smacks your hand away. Yeah. You know, it can't be everything works out perfectly. And I've written screenplays like that and people <laughs> read it and said, wow, it was, it was too easy for them to reach the chalice or, you know, yeah. whatever it was that they were, they were striving for. So does that, does that, does that, how do you like, how do you tackle that kind of writing? Do you, do, you oh, find think, um, do you start with the, the beginning and the end and then kind of work in the middle or like, how do you, that's exactly how I do it. I, I always write the beginning and the end. And then what I'll do, like the screenplay that I'm working on now, suicide blonde. Um, there are multiple stories within the story. So um, this is a sequel to a screenplay that I wrote called Derby dolls, which is a comedy that did really well. I won, five film festivals with that. Um, so this is a sequel to that because my mentor said, hey, people are digging that. You should write a sequel to that. And um, you could send both of them out to different people. And they might say, wow, this is great. We've got a good story and we've got an even better story. Um, but so I'll write the beginning and the end. And then what I'll do is I'll say, okay, these are the three stories or the five stories that are going to go within that. And I'll write each of those and then I'll add those to the script um, at different places. So, so people can say, okay, now we're going back to this or we're going over to her or him. Yeah. Gotcha. Does that make sense? No, I'm not. That's what I was asking. It makes, it makes complete sense. As long as you know where you're headed, you can throw all the conflicts in the way because you know that, and it's almost like sometimes it's good to write yourself into a corner and then it's like, how do how do these people get out of the situation? Let me figure this out, right? So yeah, well, I wouldn't say that I'm you know <laughs> I'm very good at that. I mean, I have writer's block, and I I get confused all the time, and sometimes I have to put something down for you know just just put it away, yeah, for a week, a month, and then come back to it. And when I do that, I see it more clearly. I'm like, oh yeah, this this kind of doesn't make sense. And I'll take that out and I'll rewrite something and stick it there. Um, but I, yeah, it's, it's really, it's a trip writing, you know, I'm, you just reach that point sometimes where you, you don't know what you're going to do, you know, in a situation. And then I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I have a pad of paper and I'll say, this is exactly what this person should do. So, uh, or I'll be in the shower or I'll be out walking my dog or something and, and it'll just come to you. It'll just out of the blue or you'll see something on TV or someone will say something and you'll say, wow, that could fit in this particular situation. Yeah. It's interesting. 
it's just interesting the way you could like what does your family think about your uh your screenwriting progress in the last like 11 and a half 12 years yeah you know what i don't people around me that i know i don't really talk about it or tell people i mean of course my wife knows and uh, my brothers know that i write but i don't know whether they really know what i do or have read anything of mine um I'm kind of, uh, I don't know how to say, I'm just kind of standoffish and kind of quiet when it comes to that kind of thing. I, um, um, yeah. Like your neighbor wouldn't know, like your neighbor who's, who's seen, who's known you for years would know what you know. No, no, they would, they would never know that they, I don't talk about my writing with anybody except the people that, you know, I met online and um, the people that I know, you know, screenwriters from Sacramento and in and around the area that I know. Yeah. What would you tell yourself, like, uh, when you first, when you started writing that first script that you talked about, what would you tell yourself if you could from uh, like, the, 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 the 2011 version of yourself? Yeah, geez, I would, I would tell myself to be more patient and maybe to set it aside. Like what I do now is if I... I have three screenplays that I'm working on right now. Yeah. So what I'm doing is I'm is when I feel inspired, I you know work on a particular one, or I'll 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 set that one aside and I'll work on this one, and um, but sometimes I'll just take a couple of weeks and I'll say, hey man, you know I just need some downtime to, um, you know to regenerate to, um, I. Actually, I need inspiration. You know, I need someone to inspire me. And I'm not inspired. I recently, I haven't been very inspired. Uh, but I would tell myself just to be more patient and to set things aside and let it ferment, if you will, um, and, and come back to it in a month. Gotcha. How is this screenplay doing on the festival circuit? Good. Besides our, our win. You know, crazy. I've already won five film festivals with the highwayman and I still I've got like 20 screen or 20 festivals that haven't even haven't even come about I'm really I'm a little nervous right now because Beverly Hills is on the 17th <laughs> so is today the 15th or the 16th today's the 15th we're doing the podcast on the, on, on, on the 15th yeah yeah so Beverly Hills will announce on the 17th and so I'm super super nervous Derby Dolls made the finalists made the final list in um in 2020 and so i was really proud of that and then i did filmmakers you know i did really well on filmmakers out of 1200 scripts i came in top 50 and um i've done really well in a couple of film festivals but this one it, there are a number of people that says that have said you need another 10 pages and uh, I suppose I could put more scenes in it, but have you ever watched a movie or read something and said, that's too long? Yeah, well, all the time. It's the, it's the way things are these days. Yeah, I think 80 pages is good for a story like this. Yeah. I've, I've written 125-page screenplays, and they were good for the story that I was telling. But this particular story is, it kind of unfolds um at a quick rate and um i've been told the exposition is is more than it should be there should be more 
white page. Yeah. And you know what I mean by that? Just, you know, more dialogue. But um, I think if this is ever made, the director will take those scenes that, that I've described and they'll stretch them out. This is a, you know, this is an hour and 40 minute movie. Yeah. If the director were to, you know, expand on those, um, on that exposition. Well, we live in a different time now because the you you talked about 2011. You started writing, and it was a very conventional world. Not much had changed. You know, we moved from from film to digital, and somewhat. But people had that timeline where you go to the movies, and you they wanted to basically make sure your film is two hours or under, so they can have the five o'clock show, the seven o'clock show, the nine o'clock show, the eleven o'clock show, for example. Yeah. Right now yeah, we live. Sure. Now we live in a time where it's like streaming, right? So it's like, it's like, it doesn't matter about, or it's an event, like an event movie, which they want to be three hours. They want Wonder Woman, right. and Batman, and Star Wars to be three hours long, right? No, so I think you nailed it. Yeah, I think you nailed it. They they want that extra hour or even two. Um, I don't know. I don't know about you, but, you know, at my age, where I'm at right now, I'm writing what I want to write. Now, yeah. if somebody comes forward and says, hey, I want to buy the screenplay. I want you to write an extra 15 pages. Yeah. I'll probably do it, but I'll probably give them some, you know, I'll ask them why. I'll ask them what they want. And I might disagree with them. You yeah. know, um, I don't feel compelled to add 15 pages. And if if I feel that the person like, if the idea was stupid, like I've come to people or people have come to me and they've said, Hey, Pat, I'd like you to write a zombie story about this. And they go to Idaho and they, they fly a plane and I won't do it because <laughs> I'm just not interested in that. The other thing is that they, a story like this, they like, and cause we live in the streaming world now, which is most people are consuming their product on streaming is that they wanted you to be this to be a uh, stretch it out even more. They wanted to be a mini series, right? They wanted to be eight episodes. Yeah. They wanted to be eight, yeah. eight hours long, right? Sure. Sure. And yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of funny that we're talking about this because there are um there are three screenplays, one that I've finished, Derby Dolls, that did really well, Suicide Blonde, that I'm about to finish. It's a comedy. Um, it's a sequel to Derby Dolls. And then there's a third one of these that <clears throat> I think could do really well but a friend of mine mentioned last night said hey someone could buy this and remember when mash came out i think it was like 1970 great movie great comedy and someone saw that and said this is a tv series all yeah. day long and i think it was on for like 12 years 15 it was years. on for a long time yeah yeah so <clears throat> i think you could take something like this like those screenplays and you can expand on that and you could make it a series if you wanted to. Um, but I have a couple of friends and that's all they do. They just write, you know, 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes uh, kind of a thing. And they're very good at it. Um, I I really haven't dipped my toe in that yet. Yeah. Well, the MASH analogy is interesting because it was it was there was funny moments, but there was really a drama. It was set in the Korea War. They changed it to the Vietnam War. And obviously yeah. they made it a three camera sitcom, but even the the song itself, which they copied from the movie, the yeah. song from the movie is very sad and dreary, and and then they they turned it into the song into a sitcom. Yeah. If you look I'm at the best New York Times bestseller list, like almost all the even the Harry book is basically about 
<laughs> dysfunctional relationships, right? Like, uh, it seems to be a common family relationships, you know, like yeah. we, we're, we're in an era of redefining our relationships with our family before yeah. it'd be like, you have to like, you know, you would have to like love your parents forever and be with them forever. But now it's like, what, well, like, you know what I mean? Like what, what about my mental health? Right. Like it's sort of like, that's right. sort of what that film's about. Yeah. You know, what's so funny is that I'm, I'm Irish, I'm Irish Danish. Yeah. And a lot of my friends are Irish and it's so funny because whenever an Irishman makes a movie, you know, Angela's ashes, you know, movies like that one we were just talking about, yeah. they're all sad and they're, they're like what you're describing, but the Irish are so funny. I mean, you probably know a couple Irishmen and they're, yeah. they're probably really funny and they never use that. They never make, you know, like uh, waking Ned divine was probably, you know, the funniest movie that I've seen that came that's a out classic. Well, that's a classic. That's a very, that's a calm movie. That's been ripped off about a hundred thousand times too. Right. Yeah. Yes, it's true. And, but it's, it's like, you know, you see these movies that come out of Ireland and they're so depressing and, and you're like, wow, you know, the Irish are so amazing and they're so funny and they have such a, you know, a zest for life. And you would think that more comedies would would come out and yet they they don't they don't. Yeah. Um, and so um, anyway, I don't know where I was going with this. Well, but, no, just the history of the Irish history hasn't been that like it, it's there's been some conflict. Let's just put it that way. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Yes. You know, they, they're a country that has been put upon and, you know, the English have taken advantage of them and the potato famine, just a million other things. And so, no, it hasn't been easy for them, but they've made the best of what they had and um, amazing writers, amazing writers. And, you know, um, in any event, um, yeah, it's been, it's been fun. And I, I enjoyed writing the high women, um, you know, um, uh, Rumi said, you know, there's a path from your heart to mine, a deep social or rather a deep soul connection that very few people ever experience. And I wrote this story with that in mind, mm -hmm. uh, that Bess and Alfred had that kind of connection, uh, an unbreakable connection that transcends what we think of as love. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of wrote this story like that. It's, you know, people say, oh, yeah, people are always writing stories like that. You know, um, Lady Chatterley's Lover, which I watched recently, very different from this. This is more on a um, the scale of like a Romeo and Juliet, you know, life and death rather than material things. And, you know, um, um, you know, living your life in a particular level of society. Um mm -hmm she gave that up in order to be with that guy. Uh, whereas this story is a lot different. You know, it was, she couldn't think of her life without Alfred. And so she pulled the trigger and, you know, she killed herself to save him. And when he found out what she had done, he raced back knowing what was going to happen to him. Right. Yeah. And, um, but you don't see this kind of thing very often. And, um, you know, uh, it's Romeo and Juliet, right? So it's Romeo and Juliet. It's basically yeah. Romeo and Juliet. I remember reading Romeo and Juliet when I was in high school. We it was kind of mandatory where I went yeah. to school. I think it was mandatory for everybody. Yeah. But but I mean, did you really understand it? Did you you know the oh where art thou? Yeah. You know Romeo. I didn't understand it, and I was like, eh, I'm not digging it. I mean, I 
I understand what they did, but I don't think it touched me the same way as when I read The Highwayman the first time. I was gotcha. like, wow, what an amazing story about this guy. He happens upon this girl. They fall in love. They have these different forces that are, you know, that are trying to get them. Um, they develop that soul connection. And then she takes her life to save him. And, but I, I added different aspects like the Raven aspect of it and the, um, you know, the aspect of um, um, Alfred telling her, wherever you are, I'll come back to you. I'll find you. Yeah. And that's kind of what happens in this story. Well, congratulations on, on the screenplay and good luck with uh, Beverly Hills. I, I, as this podcast uh, is well, when, when it actually launches, when it actually goes live, it will, you'll already know the results. When, by the time yeah. You're yeah. It. So I wish you the best. Thanks. It's a really cool, really great story. And uh, you don't know where it's going and that's the great thing about it. So, um, and obviously everybody loves romance. It's like, it's, it's just a common universal thing that, that no matter what, if it's the most stodgy, you know, uppity white male and, or it's like the, you know what I mean? It's, it's everybody. It's everybody loves the romance. Well, I'll tell you what I, you know, I felt great in this particular uh, festival, you know, feedback romance and relationship festival was um, probably one of my favorites. And um, I can just imagine you guys knocking it out of the park because you're right. There are people out there, you know, both male and female who can look at a story like this, like the highwaymen and enjoy it. It's not necessarily a chick flick. It's, yeah. it's got action. It's got, you know, um, sword fights and those types of things. And um, I've seen a number of these podcasts and they're great. Um, and so uh, thank you so much. I'm honored to be a part of this. And uh, uh, once again, th thank you for having me. Let's talk again when this is made into a film or when you uh, have your next screenplay win. Please. Hey, Matthew, thank you so much. Thanks.